about today's episode. I actually found my guest through his TEDx talk and that to me was a bit of a revelation. I saw his talk on Twitter and I just thought I have to have William on the podcast because what he was talking about was very different. Now, just to introduce him, William is a London-based psychotherapist and he's the author of the book Run For Your Life. That's the UK title for people who are here in the United Kingdom. And he's also the founder of Dynamic Running Therapy and the app that goes by the same name. William, it's so awesome to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Samantha. Great to be here. So first of all, for our listeners, I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, your backstory and what made you develop what we're going to talk about today, which is running as therapy. Okay, well, if any of your listeners really want the sort of the gory details, then they they should watch my um, TEDx, because in there I I describe a little bit more about my meltdown. I won't go into it too much right Mm -hmm. now, but basically about 12 years ago, I had a bit of a meltdown and I took up two things to try and get out of it. I was, you know, I was very depressed and scared and and I'd never been in that state before. So I took up running Mm -hmm. and I took up psychotherapy. I found a good therapist and I found somebody who was willing to try and run with me. And we started really slowly. He was a fellow poker player. And, uh, you know, every day we added sort of 50 meters on until, you know, a year later I ran the Paris Marathon and gave up smoking and, you know, but it was a, it was a slow grow. Wow, that's that's amazing. And so gradually you came to discover that there were benefits to that running and that it helped you. Oh, wow. So, you know, one of the major things about depression and anxiety, but particularly depression, is it kind of saps. It's a, you could think of it as, as, a, as, as the very definition of powerlessness mm. or sensation of powerlessness. What running does is not just gives you an opportunity to talk to anybody you're running with or walking. It's just as good. But I think the best part of it is is you, rather than being isolated at home, which is what a lot of people do when they're depressed, it gives you an excuse to go out, to travel from A to B, and to get a sense, even if it's only 25 meters the first time you ever do it, it gives you an opportunity to feel like you are accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. So it's empowering, and it gives you a little sort of slither of hope. Mm-hmm. Which sli- did I say slither? That's what a snake does. <laughs> sliver, yes. a sliver of hope, uh, which for depressed people is everything. Did you feel like the fact that you were measuring the the distance helped you to to put a figure on that goal somehow? I don't know if yeah. we can talk about goals here, but yeah, no, totally. You know, it's a it was noticing each time I went a little bit further, I felt a little bit stronger. I felt more confident. I felt more can-do. You know, all that negativity that that really defines uh, depression started to slip because I could see, oh, look, I've done a kilometer today. I never thought I'd ever do a kilometer. Now I've done two kilometers. Yeah. And so from there, and uh, I then six months later decided to trained to become a psychotherapist, maybe a year later, decided to train to become a psychotherapist. And I'd been so impressed by how running had helped me and and how when talking to another person while running or walking, uh, it helped to bring stuff up and, and make things clear. If any of your listeners are runners, they will have heard, they will have experienced for themselves that weird sense of clarity and focus and creativity that you get from running. You can start a run 
and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with my life. You feel overwhelmed. You don't know where to start. Go for a run. At the end of it, bizarrely, 20 minutes later, even if you haven't thought about it, suddenly you're just like, that's what I need to do. And, and I'm going to do it. That's amazing. And it's amazing that that actually made you want to train as a psychotherapist. Yeah. And was that process really helpful for you during your training to have understood that about the walks and how it helped you to heal and to... It was helpful in the sense that I always had in my mind during the training, which it was six years, it's a long slog. Um, I always had in my mind this idea about how people can rise up again from their lowest point. Mm. Um, and then I decided to try and see if I could build an approach myself, which is where mm -hmm. the, the app you mentioned and the approach that I do called dynamic running therapy. It's now a, a kind of, it's, it's, I think it's the world's first and only dedicated running therapy. There are running Fantastic. therapists, but there are none who have an actual kind of running therapy of their own. And that's mine. And that's what the book's about in part. And I love that it came from personal experience. We yeah. see a lot of experts out there talking about some form of therapy, some form of mindfulness, some form of exercise that they have developed, but not necessarily through personal experience. Yeah. So it's wonderful that it stemmed from something so close to your heart and to you. Yeah. Um, now, can we talk a little bit about the correlation between running and mental health and how it can help us? We started touching base upon that, but can you... Um, go a little further. Okay, so I mean, I think most people are pretty familiar with with most of the sort of mental health pluses that you get from running, right? You get uh, you get clarity. It's it's good to reduce your stress levels. If you do it with other people, you get community. You get what are called fighting sites from the trees. Those reduce stress levels, improve your um, uh, your immune system. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's just a whole host of things that, that improve if you run. I would recommend it to anybody. Okay. And do you recommend it to a lot of your patients as well? Well, if people find me as a runner, because I'm two kinds of therapists. I'm a regular therapist just sitting here and seeing my clients, and then I'm a running therapist. I don't yes. mix the two up. So I don't recommend it to my clients. If okay. they're going one, one route, we stay down that route. So people would come and see you as a running therapist yeah, specifically. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Could you tell us a bit more about that? How would you work with a client as a running therapist? Is it more uh, theory? Is it more practice? I mean, it's, it's well, quite fascinating. So I would say that I'm, I'm sort of orientated around these complicated terms, but I'm basically a humanistic psychotherapist, which means I'm interested in people's lived experience, if you mm -hmm. like, and the relationship between me and my client, I put that at a premium over and above their backstory, mm. I suppose you could say. Um, within that, I'm an existential psychotherapist. So that means I sort of uh, uh, focus more on the choices that people make mm -hmm. and the freedom that comes with knowing that the choices are yours mm -hmm. um, and the terror that people often experience with too much freedom and trying to get people to make choices, to become a person to, who can recognize, well, this didn't just happen to me. The good news is, the bad news is I chose in many ways to make this happen again. I'm choosing another bad relationship. Mm -hmm. And I seem to be this person who chooses bad relationships. The, good, the great news is that actually I'm the one that's choosing them, which means I can change it at any time I like. Yes. So that's at the heart of, ex, of, of the existential 
journey. Um, I'm sort of a big part of the way I work is ACT, which is acceptance and compassion therapy. So that's a big, big piece. We were talking about authenticity before. It's a lot about um, accepting the parts of yourself that are that you find repellent. Mm-hmm. And that you imagine others find repellent, but you don't really appreciate that others are having the same struggle that they have. You've over, over um, valued what you think is your own struggle. Or... Wow. So that's sort of how I work. Oh, you were asking how, what does, it, what does a session look like? So if you just come to me, the first thing I'd say is, well, how fit are you? Let's sit down. Let's talk about your expectations. You don't need to be fit, by the way, but you do need to be able to move. Mm-hmm. Um, we can build up the fitness. This is not a get fit program. This is a psychotherapy program. Yeah. Of the average 15-minute session, maybe 10, 15 minutes are spent running at most. But what running does is it's fantastic for creating this therapeutic alliance between me and the client they see the both of us moving at the same time mm. there's no coming to my temple and offering your goods and feeling yes. kind of that's part of it um and, and i guess there's this sense of neutral ground as well you're not coming to yes. someone's um yeah. place and, and practice where it can be a little overwhelming for someone maybe for you're sure. in this neutral ground of nature and yeah mm. the nature's you getting out is a big one you know people often feel trapped in their heads so and when you talk about when they talk about their problems it's better for some people to be outside where the the world seems a bigger place Mm. to talk about your feelings and Mm. and a bigger theater if you like for putting them in it can feel if you're in a small room in therapy and you bring all of your problems out into that small room that small room can then feel very very dense with your problems Um, and then the last piece I'd like to say which which I think is a really important one I do quite a lot of mindfulness in there as well at the beginning of the session. But one of the bits I noticed about running and talking about feelings is as you run, your feelings come up in quite... I mean, I know you do a lot of sport. Have you ever noticed that when you're in a very emotional state, could be positive or negative, and you do some sport, that sometimes you feel a little bit hysterical, either, either hysterically <laughs> happy or hysterically sad? Yes. Um, so... That's what I'm kind of using the running for with my clients. When they're talking, it helps to bring up and embody what they're feeling. So if they feel anger, they can really feel it. And I notice I'm running faster. And then I'll say, I notice you're running faster. Uh, it is what's happening for you. And they go, oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, no, you're right. I've been feeling really angry. And I, I didn't recognize how angry this subject makes me. Hmm. So there's all that sort of body stuff. That's very interesting. And how long do you usually work with people for? That's me being curious here, but... Um, do you find that you've had a lot of progress with people just in a few sessions or some people just like continuing for maybe months or years or? Yeah, well, because it's, because it's proper psychotherapy, it tends to go on for quite a long time. Mm. Therapy always goes on for, mm-hmm. for, for months, mm-hmm. if not years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm very much a solutions based therapist. So I want to work out what your problem is. And mm-hmm. then I want you to state it over and over again. And then I want you to tell me what sort of progress mm-hmm. we're making. Mm-hmm. And then I want to be done with it. I don't want, I don't like this idea of a friendship or, or a dependence. It's a lot of people who create this kind of dependent or allow themselves to fall into what's quite a dependent relationship. Yeah. And I really, I like to work towards goals. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And and here at the Wellness Mythbuster podcast, we also love goals and, and, and working towards that and towards actionable skills that we can then use in our everyday life. Um, there is a difference between 
empathy runs and empathy walks. Yeah. Do you want to explain it? Uh, Again, if you go to, to my um, if you go to my TEDx, uh, which is called Movement is Medicine, there's a long um, explanation of how to do an empathy walk or an empathy run. Um, they're really the same thing. Just one is done running and one is one is done walking, and they achieve the same thing as well. Although perhaps the running achieves it a little bit more intensely. Um, so, so here's what you do: you you reach out to somebody, a friend, maybe somebody else who you can see is struggling. Maybe it's somebody who you trust, um, or maybe it's just somebody you want to spend time with. You go off, you go to a green space for ten minutes. You talk, and they listen. They then reflect back very briefly what they've heard. Oh, I heard you saying that you're having a really tough time at work or that you love the woodwork that you're doing at the moment. And then you swap roles. But it's it's an incredibly powerful process because they're instructed, or I instruct them, and I instruct anybody who's trying this, is it's really important that you as the listener, at no point do you try to save or solve, interpret nothing. Your mm. job is merely to be next to that person. Mm -hmm. And at first that seems unbelievable when you're talking because you're sort of minute, two minutes in, you're like, wow, I haven't been interrupted here. I've <laughs> never had this much space to describe something. And you start to really fill in, fill the space out and you find your clarity. Often we don't even know what we're trying to say till seven minutes into a conversation. And mm -hmm. normally our partners cut it off, cut us off a minute in, right? With, and you just say <laughs> your so. thing. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you're that lucky to make it that long. Um, and uh, I think I think that's a really powerful process having having a platform like that. And it makes people feel incredibly heard, and it makes them feel um, understood. And when you have that um, sharing dynamic like that, and it's while moving, so you don't have to look into the other person's eye, which is a huge one. You don't have to worry. Oh God, you know, how do I look at them when I tell them? What are they seeing in my face when I? No, you do it while moving, like any sort of road trip. Mm -hmm. You know, on a road trip, you end up opening your all your secrets to this poor person on, the, <laughs> on your left, on on whatever thing it is, an airplane or, yeah, that's kind of how it is. So the other person listens, but they don't. Uh, they don't interrupt and. Do they say anything at the end when you're done with those ten minutes? Or? Just as I said, a, a one sentence. Thing, just so that, yeah, so that, that so the f person who's sharing knows that they've been heard. Yeah, um, and it also means that the person who's listening better make sure they listen properly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there are no, there's no judgment, there's no, no nothing like that. No. Would you say it has to be a good friend, or it doesn't matter? No, not at all. But it probably, you know, depending on what your subject matter is, it, it might be some might be worthwhile making it somebody you trust if it's a secret mm -hmm. you're sharing, mm -hmm. if it's a vulnerability sure. you're sharing. Of course. And then, of course, in the age of Me Too, it's worth thinking about gender as well. Um, you know, that much closeness can create a sense of romance for some people that may not be shared between the two of you. So, uh, you know, you need to think about if you're married or in a relationship <laughs> or something, um, or you're yeah. incredibly attractive like we are. Um, you, you have, have to be responsible. People, <laughs> you do. You know? Wear a hood. You can't go around just <laughs> displaying your looks like this. Um, and you were talking about mindfulness. Yeah. Um, is it something that you instill in there with specific steps, or is it just something that occurs through those walks and, and runs? I think it occurs anyway, because one of the nice things about walking during a session is that the silences are a little bit more natural when you're walking. Mm -hmm. There's this sort of 
the, the park fills in the silence in a way that's a little less awkward than sitting in a consulting room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels kind of mindful as you're walking along with this thought. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of naturally mindful, I think. But in answer to your question, at the beginning of every session, I ask my client, do you want to, do you want to have what I call the grounding process, which is a four-step process. It's three. And the whole thing only lasts sort of five to ten minutes. And the, the first three bits are sort of mindfulness exercises around noticing what you're feeling, noticing mm-hmm. uh, emotionally what you're feeling, physically what you're feeling. Um, and then the fourth bit is, is identifying... If there is a focus, what you want to make the focus of mm-hmm. your session. Mm-hmm. It's just as important sometimes to say, I have no focus, and just to walk and see mm. what happens. Mm-hmm. Especially in a city like London, where everything is always goal-oriented, and people feel compelled, I think, to be driven all the time. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, actually, maybe your goal could be to let go a little bit and... And general uh, and, and general exercise, whatever you're doing, right? You you know that from your exercise, but it's a great way to let go and change that mindset that you know survive and 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 excel to something that's just fun. Mm-hmm. We forget how to have fun in the city. People, the English drink so much. Of course, the first <laughs> thing we think of when we think of having fun is going getting absolutely blasted in some <laughs> bar somewhere, where you know you end up being the same person you are every time. So it's not even that much fun. Fair enough, fair enough. But it's it is true. Yeah, people sometimes forget how to even play, yeah. be playful, yes. and just yes, go back to your inner child and all that. Um, what do you do to be playful? What do I do? Yeah. Oh, the interview just uh, turned around. People, yeah, that's you quite see interesting. How I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a session right now. Um, I I allow myself to be myself. I. Whenever there's music, I dance. I can be in the supermarket. You should ask my friends. They get embarrassed sometimes unless they are also likely to dance with me, which is often happening. Or I, I whenever I hear music, I dance. I never feel restricted not to move. Um, I allow myself to be silly. You know, I don't actually think, oh, is that silly? To ask questions, even the most stupid questions, even if they look like it, you right. know? Uh Because I just, yeah, I, I just want to learn more. That keeps me very playful, yeah. learning more. Um, and yeah, just allowing to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. And that seems very idealistic. Yeah. But I think my idea of playfulness and of happiness is freedom. You know, right. So yeah. I can really relate with your walks and runs. Because the idea of running in the park running fast, running slow, it doesn't matter, jumping around and, yeah. and just letting go of whatever people are going to think, however you're going to feel. Uh, I think we forget. We grow up and we forget about the inner child. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. I think that's another good thing about running around in the park and getting emotional. It feels much more comfortable being emotional when you've when you're back in your body and you've been mm. already walking and running. You know, If one of my clients gets emotional, sometimes we'll just run through it, you know, mm. if it's sadness. Sometimes we'll just head under a tree. But it's a very different kind of sadness than it is when I'm in my office, you know. Mm. When I'm in my office, I'm, I feel more of a witness to it. Whereas when I've been running with them, it feels more like an organic thing that we're sharing mm. that belongs where it is mm-hmm. amongst the trees and the plants. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And do you feel like people are more likely to let these emotions flow when they're outdoors? Because yeah. very often I think people are, well, you'd know more about that, obviously, but are a little ashamed of their emotions. You know, no, it's not okay to cry, but it is. But Particularly men, of course, mm-hmm. have a lot of that. So for them to have an excuse to sort of run um, and you know, claim that they've lost control of their body when when they get emotional. You know, it just and and to do it with another man is much easier. Crying, yeah, crying, yeah. or getting emotional in front of another man is much easier than doing it in front of a woman. I think, yeah. or maybe it's just in front of a therapist. Anyway, I really enjoy working with men for that reason. It's not that I love to make people cry or to watch people make themselves cry. For, for whoever's making whatever the point yeah. is is that um i like the whole process of people feeling comfortable emoting mm-hmm. it's it's people putting their trust in you and when mm-hmm. and when you have been doing this long enough and i've been doing it quite a long time you can create a, a safe place which doesn't feel too sort of weird or too synth- synthesized or mm-hmm. too anything it just feels like uh just uh, you know, I I work the way I work. So I try to think of myself more as a mechanic than a mm-hmm. priest. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just I'm just doing what I'm doing. I've learned mm-hmm. some skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I trained for a long time. They're fairly simple skills. Um, with practice, anybody can do them. Anybody can 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 do this. And uh, yeah, anyway, that's how I work. And I would imagine also that it. Um demystify is not necessarily the the right word here but you know there's a bit of a stigma around therapy yeah very often yeah. you know it's like oh you go see a therapist what's wrong with you and i always found it funny I, I saw a therapist myself when i was a teen and it was wonderful it helped me so much and mm. it was quite classical but i would imagine that that kind of alleviates the stigma so to speak you know to to the idea of, of running therapy a therapy that's different a therapy that you're not going to be judged for you know when you talk about it to other people a therapy that is more yeah. maybe accessible yeah i think so i think so it's a very good point can you tell us a little bit more about the app okay so the app much like my book has specific programs the book has many programs mm-hmm. many chapters that are dedicated to particular mental health conditions the app only has two it has a lot of mindfulness stuff in there Mm -hmm. um, but it has uh, only two programs one for running with anxiety and one for running with depression and you run 20 through 20 different sessions listening to me answering questions when I ask them and uh, making a note on the app of your answers through the voice recorder as you're running, tapping the the screen or afterwards. And and you create a sort of narrative as you use the body, as I was talking about, to explore and get deeper into these subjects. So I take you on a sort of journey into depression in general and then into your depression, asking you all the questions a therapist would ask you. You know, what's your relationship with your family? What's your relationship with... uh, with, with your feelings that you're more shameful of? How, how easy uh, do you find it to accept yourself or others? What are your expectations in the world? Um, yeah. And so forth. At the, so the app does those two. And then the book yeah, has about seven or eight, as well as some mindfulness stuff, as well as courses for running with kids. And there's a whole load of stuff in there. So let's just say I want to start is it for me how do i know if it's for me and what can i do we already talked about it a little bit but you know about finding a friend or someone you know and, and doing it but 
we're going to finish on this. Can you tell us the how-to part of it? Okay, so there's, just to be clear, so the so you can either do the app or the book with a friend yeah. or do it by yourself, these yeah. programs. that The empathy runs are separate from the running therapy. Yeah. I described how the empathy run works, and, and I've described now how the, the running therapy works. Um, whether As for whether it suits you or not, there is an introduction to the anxiety course and the depression course on the app. So yeah. you walk with that, listen to it, see how you like the sound of me and how I describe what's going to happen. Um, I ask you some questions to help you consider about whether you're really depressed or not. Yeah. Um, and I've tried to make the, you know, I've been really, really sensitive to the idea that it could be traumatic talking about depression mm -hmm. and having these things. And I don't mm -hmm. want, obviously, somebody remotely who's picked up the app in Alaska to feel even more depressed and lost because I've taken them deep and way in. So it's not like that. It's a lot of it's just about that relationship about caring for yourself and going back to that place and yeah. about acceptance. And um, finding that support. Yeah. And you can find it, um, you know, on Apple, um, and you can find the book, of course, um, Run For Your Life on um, Amazon and in all good bookstores. Fantastic. And that was my last question here. Where can people find your work? So you just answered that. Would you yep. like to add anything? Well, there's the Movement is Medicine. It's the title of my, of my TEDx. Yes, guys, go on YouTube, on YouTube and watch it. And if any of your listeners have anxiety, they'll have a good um, laugh as they see me about halfway through there as the anxiety gets the best of me. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find my website. I'm dynamicrunningtherapy.com and I'm on Twitter at Pullen Therapy and, of course, on Instagram too, D underscore running therapy. Fantastic. And the book you were telling me is also available in the U.S., But it's called... It's called Running with Mindfulness. Yes. Yeah. So guys, you can also find it. Is it on Amazon over there? It's on Amazon. It's in 13 countries now, somehow. Fantastic. Yeah, very Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. So we can create more awareness around mental health, around running, around movement and exercise now. It can all help us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, William. Pleasure. I cannot wait for you guys to tell me what you thought of the episode Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Uh, you can find us on the podcast app on Apple or on SoundCloud as well. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk very soon.